It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And for five weeks, we have done rankings 2.0 coming out of the college football season. Did a little bit of a mock draft, did an entire ranking series, and that all leads to one fateful moment, Colin. It is time to unveil our top 12 big boards at this point in the process. Yeah, we are going into, I mean, after all the film study, after the deep dives, we're going into our real top 12 big boards solidified and these will be the big boards up until basically the draft like this is this is what we're planting our flag on how do you feel about that i mean it's it's scary there's (laughs) i mean i'm not gonna say mine's gonna be like concrete and stone for the next two months i'll be sitting here overthinking things probably but i've been overthinking uh, things always yeah that's a big part of it but the the fact is that right now I got 12 players here that I've I feel pretty confident about at this point in time based off of film, based off of what they showed us this season and and you know coming into the year, a lot of names familiar from the summer carrying through all the way to this point and plenty of new names as well. So, we're going to run through each of our top 12s. Now, like I said at the top, We just did an entire ranking series where we did top fives at each position, went into great detail on each player that we talked about, strengths, weaknesses, what we were seeing on film. This episode going to be a little bit of this is what the player is and this is where I have them. It's not going to be quite as in-depth. So if you want to get more information on some of these players, go back, check out the rankings 2.0 series and look for the player in their uh, respective position groups. But um, otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna dive in here. There's gonna be new names too. I got I got names in my top twelve that I did not talk about in uh, the rankings, and I'll I'll go into a little more detail with those uh, for sure. Yeah, I I don't know if I have anybody that we didn't mention in our top twelves in in my in the rankings here, um, but. Yeah, if you want to get into the meat and potatoes, that's that's what the ranking episodes are for. And so here we are with with the big boards. Do you want to start? I'm gonna put I you, can start. I'll put you on the spot. This All time. right, do it. I deserve that. <laughs> All right, number 12, 2024 Dynasty Rookie Class. I have Jonathan Brooks, running back from Texas. Me too. And so do you. Yep. <laughs> Man, I swear, this is not – we don't talk about this beforehand. I don't know what if this we go 12 for 12, it's just because we spend too much time together. But Yeah, I don't even talk to Austin outside of the yeah. podcast. <laughs> no, we're not – I don't know you. <laughs> but Jonathan Brooks. All right. So since we did running backs 2.0 rankings, Travion Henderson has taken his name out of the class and – Spoiler, this is my RB2 right now. This uh, comes in here, number 12, ends up as my RB2 in this class, Jonathan Brooks. Uh, and and your RB2, I see you, I see you. <laughs> so 
that's kind of weird. That's a weird part about this class is that RB2 is all the way down here at number 12. And Jonathan Brooks is a player that I said on rankings 2.0, very complete running back, a player that I like a lot. And I think if the ACL tear doesn't happen, he finishes strong. He's in the playoff, you know, on the big stage. I think that might have been enough to differentiate himself as the RB1 in this class because my number one and number two are literally tied. It's it's a 1A, 1B situation for me with this running back class right now. So Brooks is a player that, well, you know, this isn't the sort of year where we're drafting, you know, a player like this in the top five. Doesn't mean that Brooks is not a talented player and one that in the right situation, in the right, you know, spot on draft day, could shoot up these rankings. Yeah, if you are needy at running back, we, we've kind of mentioned that maybe you punt to 2025, but if you're needy at running back, you're probably also a bad team. So maybe you take Brooks and you kind of live with the year one kind of gap year with him because he, he tears the ACL late in the season. And that's something that, we've seen with a few players where you know maybe your team's not ready for a running back yet because those rebuilding teams you kind of want to fill out the wide receiver position first because it's uh, a longer term position and fill out those running back slots later but if you feel like you're maybe a year away then you take brooks and you can sit on him for a year so that's why I love him. I mean, he's an electric player. He moves different than any other running back in this class. I mean, he just is electric. So uh, he, I, I didn't have him ranked in the running backs rankings episode, if you guys rewind back to then, because I didn't expect him to even declare because he's a junior, you know, the ACL tear. I just kind of baked in that he was going to go back because that just made sense to me. But – now he's declared, and I love this player. So he's my RB2. Uh, got him at 12 here mostly because, I mean, the running back class is a little weaker, and, like, it's not, you know, the top two guys aren't running backs like it has been in the past. But you still can find value here. And if you're willing to be patient, Jonathan Brooks is a nice value. Yeah, and the point about a gap year or, you know, expecting this player to miss some time in his rookie season at least, he's a very young prospect as well. 20 years old on draft day, and he will come into his first NFL season newly 21. So this running back class, while it might not be, you know, star-studded guys that have put it out, you know, at this point in time to say these are going to be, you know, the future of the NFL at the running back position. A lot of them are extremely young and there is a lot of growth and time here for these players, a position that we know age in dynasty plays a pretty big factor. A lot of these guys, that is not a concern at all. Um, and Brooks is one of the youngest in this class. Number so 11. number 11, I'll let you take it away. Uh, number 11, I got Jaden Daniels, quarterback LSU. Okay. All right. So um, I don't love Jaden Daniels. Uh, I'll get that out of the way. <laughs> but he's a fantasy player. 
He is a he is the like souped up running quarterback. He's the I mean prototypical get a bunch of fantasy points quarterback. It's undeniable. He's gonna get. It sounds like he's getting taken top ten, top five potentially in the NFL draft. Uh, he's gonna probably start his rookie year, and so a guy with this kind of upside, you just gotta take him in the first round. Uh, that's that's how I feel. So the re- the reason that I'm laughing is that if you did listen to our quarterbacks rankings, you will understand that Jane Daniels was a source of conflict I between still, Colin and I. I still feel the same way as I felt on the quarterback episode. Well, I mean, but you kind of don't because I, <laughs> you moved him up in your rankings. Well, he was my QB3. Okay, so maybe that's something to say about the big board coming ahead. No, was he was your QB four, wasn't he? No, uh, I don't know. I uh, I might well, rewind well, that. We can film. go back. Challenge flag. All right. Challenge. <laughs> anyway, I mean, th- so whatever. Regardless of whatever, wherever he was, the player is exactly what you said—a fantasy star potential quarterback i mean that's the regardless of if you think he warrants a top five selection in the nfl draft which i don't either (laughs) like i like jane daniels he was my quarterback three three for fantasy purposes and i still don't see him as a top 10 even nfl draft pick but it's the nature of this sort of an environment where you have a lot of quarterback needy teams at the top of the draft this year. We have some good players. Daniels is one of them, and that's going to push him up the board, maybe even as high as three. In that situation, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore what the NFL is telling you and the opportunity that he will get immediately. That's the big thing, is that if he goes number three to New England or whatever happens, he will have the opportunity to prove himself one way or the other at the NFL level. And a player like this who has elite rushing upside, who is a dynamic athlete, unbelievable speed at this position it's just a recipe for something that could amount to a real difference maker at this position even in a one quarterback format so i i don't have him in my top 12 but i have him uh right now this is not entirely sorted but he's somewhere in the 15 to 17 range for me okay so who do you have at number 11 number 11 my rb1 Trey Benson, because we're still here, uh, not letting anything push me off of this take until I absolutely need to. Because, like I said a few weeks ago, I just see a very dynamic running back and one that sort of, especially now, especially without Travion Henderson in this class, I just see as the best pathway to being a real difference making running back it you know I like Jonathan Brooks a lot and I think he is a very complete running back I think Benson's ceiling is still higher at the NFL level and we didn't get to see necessarily in my opinion the full Trey Benson experience in college he was very limited in 
uh, how they used him at Florida State. They rotated a lot of guys in. Maybe you say that's a criticism. Maybe, you know, why weren't they letting him uh, be the bell cow for this team? You know, that's fair. But when he's on the field, you see what he can do as as a back that can force missed tackles at a very high rate, can run through contact, you know, regressed in both of those areas a little bit this year, but not enough to scare me away. And right now I'm, I'm picking these two. Like I said, 1A, 1B, I got them right here at the end of the first. Yeah, Benson is is interesting for me because he was such a a boom bust player this season. I mean, when you look at just yards per attempt, because the carries were all over the place, the touches were all over the place, so it's not fair to look at him as like you know what kind of volume did he get? Because but if you look at just the yards per attempt, it's like he ends up at five point eight, and like six is a nice benchmark. But you look at like the game to game, and it's he has, you know, three point nine, eight point eight, three point two, three point six, eighteen point two, and five, two, five, eight. So it's like very inconsistent. And I mean, you kind of see that is like there's a little bit of that inconsistency. There's a little bit of that like I can do more. And I'm going to try to do more. And with my less touches, I feel like I need to do more potentially. So I wish he would have gotten more touches. I wish we could have seen the full Trey Benson experience this year. We didn't, which is, I mean, partially why he's outside of my top 12. Other, I mean, the kind of swinging for the fences a little too often is still where I sit on him so that also leaves him out of my top 12 but again if you're drafting late you're in the second round I mean there are going to be running backs available for you and Trey Benson's definitely someone to you know pick up and see what happens because he's very talented he I mean is one of the best tackle breakers in this class when you look at the 2022 film and some of the 2023 film that shows up still um, so I, I think that there, he has a ton of talent and it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he gets the opportunity at the next level because he didn't get that opportunity this year at Florida state. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the questions that we have about this running back class will be answered in some format on NFL draft weekend. I mean, that will tell us a lot and, um, you know, a guy like Benson, I think, might surprise people with going a little bit higher than you think he might, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. Your number 11 was Jane Daniels. Yep. Mine was Trey Benson. Your number 10 is Drake may back to back quarterback run. Yep. Uh, so Drake may is, I mean, it's a similar conversation as I had with Jane Daniels where he's a guy that's going to get opportunity right away. He's probably going to get handed the keys to a franchise. He's going to be the number two pick likely, uh, probably going to be a commander. So is that a good thing? I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. You look at, you know, they have a decent structure in place where you walk in to Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, we've seen – Rookies walk into worse. I mean, the O-line needs help. Uh, the coaching staff is obviously in flux right now, but the enemy is still there. Uh, so 
if he's a commander, I feel pretty solid about that because he's got weapons at least. Uh, and then there's rushing upside with May. He's got a cannon arm. He's, I mean, can throw it through a keyhole. He can run and he runs people over and he wants to run and he's a good goal line quarterback i mean he does the similar like josh allen ish things around the goal line where he kind of gives up regard for his own body to get into the end zone which can be good can be bad we saw with anthony richardson why that can be bad uh but you look at i mean the josh allen side of it where it's QB one a couple years in a row and you know top two dynasty quarterback so uh I there's a wide range of outcomes with Drake May but I feel very good about him yeah I I mean I love Drake May I he's my number nine player so I got him right one spot ahead of where we are right now but um it's a weird time when you can look at the commanders and say you know I don't hate this situation like yeah new head coach coming in seems like there's a lot of energy it's going to be a a job that is sort of coveted i think because of the potential that drake may is bringing to this franchise and like you said eric Bieniemy still in town so we have a good infrastructure hopefully on the coaching side for this player and then like you said few names at receiver already that were you know have been a little bit untapped I think a guy like Jahan Dotson this year you know people sit around saying you know what is going on here I mean that's what's going to happen when Sam Howell is your quarterback so let's get Drake May in there get a boost for Dotson McLaurin will will continue operating as the number one and you know you have a, a solid running game Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, I don't know contracts. I don't know what's going on there, but you have a good foundation offensively around this player, I think. And his talent is the sort that can already, you know, directly impact a team like the commanders. One that feels like for so long has been searching for the guy at quarterback. I think Drake may is that guy, no matter what. And it just helps right now that there is a little bit of positivity in the, uh, you know within that organization to really bring it all together. Yep, and then they also have two second round picks, two third round picks, so they can definitely build a little bit of uh, a unit around Drake May if they you know play things right, which we know the Commanders will do. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> History backs us up on that. Yeah. Oh man! All right. Drake May, like I said, my number nine, which means that my number 10 is A.D. Mitchell. Ooh, nice. I'm assuming you have him lower? I do. So this came up at the tail end of our uh, wide receivers episode, I believe, when you mentioned that you liked Worthy more than Mitchell, which was a little bit of a surprise based on what we thought we were going to find when we dove into the tape. And at that point in time, I hadn't really gotten into either one of them. So I've been busy with the wide receivers and there's a lot more that I need to watch, but I've watched a lot of them already. AD Mitchell surprised me a lot. And I think the big thing here is upside. He, he is 
what he showed this year in his first real opportunity at a full workload. Remember, coming over from Georgia, dealt with some injuries uh, last year, year before, you know, first year, kind of just getting his feet wet. This was his first opportunity to show what he really had. And in this high-powered Texas offense, well, why was it high-powered? It's because you had the speed of A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. I mean, Xavier, uh, both of these players made Quinn Ewers, I think, look a lot better than he is. I'll tell you that. But the thing with Mitchell that really stood out to me was he was way better as a route runner than I was expecting. I thought I would find, uh, you know, sort of the size, speed, athlete player that we know can take the top off. But what else is what else is there? Is he kind of just that, you know, project ball of clay type of a player? It's not what I saw. I, I'm not going to say he was a, you know, savant or, you know, an elite level route runner. But there are flashes on his film that says, man, you could be something really crazy. You know, give it a year. And this could be a really, really good wide receiver at the NFL level. So that, along with his, you know, speed, which is unteachable and rare at his size, I got him at number 10. Yeah, I I love A.D. Mitchell. I mean, I have all year. I've been keeping an eye on him, and I've only been impressed because I see the same thing. I mean, the route running is really good. And, I mean – as we develop and like we kind of realized this wide receiver class is kind of silly you know it's fucking insane like what you, it is if you have like a pick in the third you could like realistically get one or two good receivers that could be taken on day two like you could be looking at guys that are being taken kind of highly in the NFL draft just because of the overflow of talent in this draft. So AD Mitchell is one of those guys where he isn't being left out of the top 12 because of the fact that he's, you know, bad or whatever. It's just the there's just a, a overflow of talent at this wide receiver position. That's uh something I do want to talk about later with a different player but I think one thing to remember is that rankings are only rankings in the sense that we're stacking players based on their talent and and where we would personally select them in no way shape or form is it like if you missed my top 12 well you're you you're, oh, you're you're all right you yeah. know you're de- you know this is the sort of class where I'm I'm like 14 wide receivers deep at this point. I I have a lot of like day every single player that I've watched has a day 2 or higher grade for me. Right. So, it's that level of a wide receiver group. It's a little bit of pick your flavor. It's a little bit of, you know, how comfortable are you projecting in some cases? And AD Mitchell sort of sits at the crux of that where there is some projection involved. But there's a lot more there than just, I hope you develop into a real wide receiver. He's a real wide receiver already. There's just areas of his game that can certainly develop over time. And it's another really young player too. So, 100%. All right. So, number nine for me was Drake May. And your number nine, we do not know yet. Well, 
Let me break it to you. It's my RB1. Braylon Allen. Boom. So, uh, rest in peace, Devin Deal. We'll say that. <laughs> that was a, a short-lived RB1 run. He went back to Kansas. So, you know, he'll be in the, the loaded 2025 running back class. But, I mean, Braylon Allen is still I, – I feel like he's being a little bit discounted because his name has been in the the zeitgeist for three years as, like, this hyper-talented, you know, super young, you know, prince-to-be-promised kind of running back. And he underperformed in the 2023 season. And if you want to go through the reasons I think he underperformed, like you can go back to the running back episode. I think it has a lot to do with his usage and the scheme that Wisconsin ran this year. Um, what I, Why I feel strongly that Braylon Allen will succeed at the next level is because of the direction that the NFL is going in terms of scheme. I think this uh, Shanahan type of offense – has completely taken over. I mean, it is a, you know, monkey see, monkey do league. And if something works, every team is going to find a way to do it. And you see that with all of the Shanahan assistants going under center, single back, you know, 12 personnel, motion, whatever. Braylon Allen needs to start going downhill. That's that's what I noticed, is that if he's starting at a standstill in the gun, offset, he just doesn't get the same momentum and you see him dancing more. You see him getting slow starts. He never really gets up to full speed when he's in the pistol in the single back. He's a completely different running back. And I, I just feel that if he goes to a team that has a scheme, which is not an uncommon scheme, he can thrive. So I got him here and I feel really good about Braylon Allen. Yeah. I, I actually really liked what you said on the running backs episode about the usage and maybe explaining why, in my opinion, and it seems like kind of a consensus opinion, the 2023 film was his worst in college football. And I think for a player that, you know, obviously we know how young he is. That's the big thing here. But I think that is an, an important part of this because you have a player that you've seen with a full workload for three years and suddenly something changed. Did he be suddenly become a worse player? Probably not. You know, there's probably factors that influenced what happened this year. So I actually want to go back and watch more 2022 film from Braylon Allen and try to make sure that I'm not just overthinking it or missing something here with a player that coming into the year was my RB two and right now sits at my RB four. So, um, I don't have him in my top 12, obviously my, my two running backs there at the bottom, but he's in the middle of the second round right now. And I definitely want to go back and revisit his film because I do think there is something to be said about what you led this conversation with, which is that it's just a name that we've we've heard for a really long time and it gets really easy for people to say well you know this Jonathan Brooks guy like right he 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 just came out the he just came on this year so we like him now you know 
I want to make sure none of that is clouding my judgment either. Yeah, and happy birthday, Braylon Allen. Past, <laughs> hey. This past Saturday. Just turned 20. Oh, now he's old. Damn yep. it, he's not uh. a teenager anymore. <laughs> so that's another thing that, that adds into this conversation is he's the youngest yeah. running back in the draft, and that's been the thing where it's like he'll be the 2023 running back one no matter what. Like, he's talented, and he was 17 as a freshman. It's like, what's happening? He's the best running back in football, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to the actual draft year, and you're kind of over it, you know? Yeah. And plus, obviously, the 1,000 yards rather than having 12, 1,300 adds into it. So all of this kind of snowballs into a way where you may be able to get an incredible value on a player that – should have been, you know, a, a 101 contender and just kind of circumstances fell differently, and he's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and all these guys, they're not without their weaknesses either. Yeah. I mean, we know about Allen with, you know, some fumbling issues this year, maybe a lack of explosion this year, but again, is that scheme related, you know? And he's so. been dinged up. Yeah, and he was hurt this year also. So that's another thing. We don't want to you, – you see a player that's playing hurt on tape, and it's like, man, what – I don't know about this. And right. then you find out it's Rasheed Rice, and he looks amazing at the oh, NFL God. level when he's healthy. So <laughs> Shout out, Rasheed. Good player. <laughs> All right. Uh, number eight for me is Caleb Williams. All right. So I'm assuming you have him higher. <laughs> I have him one spot higher. <laughs> because, yeah. I, I, as soon as I said that, I was like, well, I don't think he magically became your quarterback three anytime <laughs> soon. So, yeah, he's got to be higher. But, yep. yeah. Uh, Williams comes in for me right underneath a tier that is going to start a very interesting conversation on my end in this draft class. But uh, one spot ahead of Drake May kind of just have them locked at this point. Uh, there were, there were times through this where I've had a little bit of separation between these two guys. I, I just think these are both amazing quarterbacks and I think Caleb is still the guy. Obviously we talked about, you know, how a lot of this is overblown with the narratives that have been circulating. Um, a lot of it is very much just fuel for conversation. It seems like, because when you turn on the film, you understand what a special player this is. And it already feels like it's starting to become known <laughs> that this is going to be the number one pick. You're not even seeing, at least I haven't been seeing as much recently of the Drake may mocked to the bears at number one. Like it feels like they're making the moves that signal they're going to go with Caleb they're going to move on from fields that this is the guy. And I think that's the right decision. And I think a player like this at number eight represents potentially one of the best values in this draft class. Yeah. I mean, I have met seven, so I pretty much same right in the middle of the first round and whether the bears take them, or they end up trading out of the pick and you know he's he's getting taken number one it's it's kind of silly the narratives that have you know become of this and i mean this is something that happens like this is a product of the 24 7 sports media cycle 
you need to figure out stuff to talk about. Caleb Williams down year, you know, so now he's bad or whatever, you know, worse than Fields. Especially since the Bears have the number one pick, I feel like it's been a little more fuel of the fire. If it was a team that didn't have, you know, a, a good starter, let's say that, but then I don't think any of these conversations happen. But I think since Fields, you know, is who he is and has upside and is still young, I think that's why this has happened. So, regardless, Caleb Williams is an incredible player and he I mean can make any throw on the field and he has rushing upside I think he's going to be a top five dynasty quarterback in no time Uh, we saw we see the the leaps that Stroud is making in terms of dynasty value and I feel like Caleb Williams is a better prospect than Stroud and so we'll be able to see the same kind of thing where he can walk into a team, he can change, you know, the offense, he can change how the team operates. And I don't think people are realize the gravity that he has until he's out there. So here we are. I mean, yeah, that's really all that there needs to, that's all that needs to be said with Caleb. Don't overthink the player. That's and I'm I like if you want to have Drake May as quarterback one, go ahead because that's a great player too. But I will not buy into this narrative that Caleb is a bust in the making because of a few you know dangerous plays that he made this year. That is that's not as far as I'm willing to take this thing. So I'm so over it. <laughs> like the... I can't wait to watch Caleb at the NFL level. That's See, all that I care about I, right now. I. So I liked Fields so much coming out that I was pissed that he went to the Bears because obviously Packers fan, born and raised in Green Bay. Um, But now, like, if Caleb Williams goes there and it's looking like he will, I'm going to be sick if if they're the reason that he's not good. Because I feel like – never mind. I won't get into the whole Bears, (laughs) Justin Fields, whatever, like – I, I hope Justin Fields goes somewhere and thrives is how I feel. And J- Justin Caleb Fields is, also is good. a player that needed an infrastructure. Yeah. Like this was not a prospect that, that you said he's going to come in and, you know, be the, be the savior from day one, you know, like, and I don't feel like he got that infrastructure in Chicago until maybe this year when you saw glimpses of what it could look like with a real wide receiver in the room. And Luke Getzey was so bad, it didn't matter. <laughs> like, Yeah. So, I mean, I, I hope Fields gets his opportunity to go somewhere, cough, cough, Atlanta, and right. get to thrive with uh, in, a, un, in a real situation with real weapons and real coaching and all of those things. But So, quick question. While we're on the Caleb Williams topic and, you know, the assumption that he's going to go to the Bears – do you feel good about Shane Waldron being the offense coordinator? They hired him. Uh, obviously, Seahawks came over. How do you feel about yeah, that? I feel good. I, I, I like that hire quite a bit. I think it's it's a step in the right direction. I mean, we, we've seen what Seattle has done the last couple of years with Geno Smith and sort of overperforming a team that you didn't exactly expect to be competitive but uh, showed you – 
some things on offense that maybe you thought were, you know, a team performing above the sum of its parts. And yep. I think when you have a talent like Caleb at the helm, that just opens the door for so much more. So I think it's a really good hire step in the right direction and we'll see about the head coach, but um, yeah, I, C- Caleb is the sort of player that I'd, you know, come in and, and just be the guy that's play your game, do what you do, trust your arm and let the rest do what, what it's, what let it fall how it will. Uh, okay. So you're up. Yes. I have a number eight pick to make number eight. Yes. Yes. So I'm picking Brian Thomas jr. Out of LSU. Um, I mean, I've kind of developed feelings for this player as we've gotten further along, you know, like I, I started out and I was like, okay, Brian Thomas kind of you know, Malik neighbors, merchant, whatever. Uh, but you know, you, you watch him more and it's like, God, this guy is just traitsy. Like he has, he is so athletic. He can make contested catches. He can run away from guys. He's huge, uh, strong hands, fine route running. I mean, it's not exceptional. It's nothing unbelievable. Uh, so, Maybe a little bit of caution there, but I just have started to to like this player more and more, and I I don't know if he can be a one on a team, but I feel like he can be you know one of those number two receivers that's like huh I wonder you know a team should trade for him to make him their number one you know like there there's that set of guys the. The T. Higgins, the Devontae Smith, the Jalen Waddles, you know, those high-end number two receivers that everybody's always like, I wonder what they would do on their own team. I feel like that's the kind of role that Brian Thomas will fill. He'll just be like the second wide receiver on a team. He'll be really good. And then, you know, every couple of years when his contract's coming near, they'll be like, you know, someone should pay him and make him their number one receiver. So uh, I just really like how he looked all year. I mean – complete breakout year in his junior year at LSU uh 1177 yards 17 touchdowns taking the top off the defense regularly um he never had a season over 370 yards total before that so his first two years he had 359 361 so I mean I am interested to see what he looks like as an NFL player but I just liked what I saw yeah um this tier of wide receivers yeah. is driving me crazy <laughs> like i i mean i don't i don't know how you have it structured here but i'm assuming we're maybe on a similar wavelength but five six and seven for me are all wide receivers and brian thomas jr is at the top of that list for me right now Okay. He is my number five player in this class, but it is truly a tier. Like these are three wide receivers that honestly, I feel kind of exactly what you just said about every single one of them. <laughs> I'm like, I think these are really, really good number twos, like great number twos. Can they be number ones? 
maybe, but each of them sort of has a, a role or a pocket that they fill. None of them are exactly complete, but all of them are really, really good at what they do. And Brian Thomas Jr. kind of fits in here at number five because I think he does two things really, really well. And that is his, obviously his athleticism and his ability to stretch the field vertically at this size. The speed is just stupid. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I've watched more Brian Thomas Jr. I'm like, I got to figure this group out. It's just shocking to see him work down the field. And like you said, it's not exactly polished route running. Like he's just really fast and corners can't keep up with him. So I like that obviously. And then something that I didn't see immediately when watching him, but what showed up after I went back the second time was his ability in contested situations and at the catch point. It's a very physical player and a, and, and a guy that, yeah, strong hands can get up and pull the ball down in the red zone, I mean, 17 touchdowns this year. A lot of them were posts and flies. Some of them were, I'm going to throw it up and let you bring it down. And I think those two factors make a, a base, a foundation for a player that can have a lot of success at the NFL level. If he develops his route running, if he adds a little bit more to his repertoire in terms of route variety and his footwork and his releases, if he can sharpen those areas and just really bring this thing home, I think he has potential to be a star, a real star at the position. And so right now I have him on top of this tier of guys. We'll talk about the other two shortly, I'm sure, but number five in this class for me right now. Yeah, I I feel similarly about this this little tier. I have I have Thomas at the the end of the tier while you have him at the top of the tier, so we're a little yep. flip flopped. But I mean, I what what I think would take him from where he is now to like a little half level up is like if he shows that he can work the sidelines and like corner the end zone with NFL uh, like sideline catches. Cause you see like those fade routes and stuff like that, where he's catching it over his shoulder and he's getting the one foot down and like touchdown in college. But I, I want to see you drag that other foot. The one foot stuff always drives me nuts. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I, I mean, this isn't really a catch. Right. But I got to give it to you because it's, right. it's great. I mean, right. this shows up with other players like further down the list too. And it's like, man, what do I do with this? You exactly. know, like I just give them the benefit of the doubt usually. Like, yeah, I just learn to – you'll figure it out. Yeah. That That's what a wide receiver down. coach is for. And yeah. I don't understand why college hasn't adopted the two-foot thing anyway, but that's besides the point. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep moving through this tier. Uh because I believe I'm up. Is you that correct? Up at number seven, I think. So number seven, number seven is Troy Franklin. There we go. And so is he your number? He's my number six. Six. Okay. So Franklin in this group 
where Thomas has the down the field speed and prowess and the physicality and the catch point ability. Franklin has the down the field stuff as well, but he's also a really polished route runner. And his deficiency is the physicality. So it's it's sort of like a you know grab and go with these players where you're you're taking one area away, giving it to the other guy and substitute, you know. And I think they're all really good. And Troy Franklin just comes in at the bottom for me because I would like to see a player of this size. Not necessarily, you know, he's comes in a little short of 190 right now where Thomas is coming in at 205. So we got a lot of weight on him. So obviously that's going to show up. But I would like to see Franklin be a little bit more physical because I, I see a player that does get overwhelmed at the catch point at times through contact has a tendency to, you know, miss balls if, if he has defenders coming down on him. Now that said, it's not happening a lot because he's wide open a lot. And that is the that is the part where I think you value a little bit more than I do. Where I'm I'm gonna say, okay, Brian, we're gonna we're gonna try to polish you up as a separator. Whereas Franklin, there are no questions about his separation ability. It really just comes down to can he handle the physicality at a consistent level in the NFL yeah that is the the biggest question but I mean so the the reason I have Thomas at the bottom of the tier is because I feel like he's you know a guy that you know always the bridesmaid never the bride I feel like Troy Franklin and then the other guys in this wide receiver tier could be wide receiver once pretty like I feel like Franklin I, I understand the, the physicality of the catch point stuff, but man, the the separation is so good. And I, I just like I can't put him lower than a guy that feels less polished because the goal is to get open, man. <laughs> that that's that's how I feel. And so if we're we're looking at guys that are gonna be open Troy Franklin's a seven eleven. So, so I this is this is why this is fascinating because the other player that we have yet to talk about fits into this group in a very strange way. He does sort of, and so it's like and and this is okay. You know what? Let's just bring it home okay. because I want to talk about this group as as collectively yep. because first of all. There is no, this is one of those situations where it's like, because I have Franklin at seven and you have Thomas at seven and blah, like these players are incredible. Yep. Like, let's get that straight. This ordering is a matter of preference, a matter of nuance, a matter of, I got to put these guys in some sort of an order, but they are truly on one tier for me. And this is the tier that I think is like where this class separates itself because we aren't in the top tier of receivers yet. And this group, these are like really, really good receivers. Like these guys are all better than like last year's receivers, like pretty much top to bottom. 
I mean, JSN, you know, you could figure out how he fits into this group, but they're very different. These are all big guys that can stretch the field, that can win at the catch point or separate at an elite level. So Keon Coleman is the other name here. And I have Coleman at five. Me too. And you have him at five. At five. Or I have him at six. You have him at five. I got mixed up. Yeah. So I have him at six. You have him at five. So I stack the tier Thomas, Coleman, Franklin. Mm -hmm. Now, Keon Coleman is a player that is getting absolutely trashed right now. Like if you if you're on social media, you see constantly folks saying, you know, oh, he he cannot separate. This is the next Nikhil Harry. This is the next Quentin Johnson. I mean, Nikhil Harry, I, I didn't know that was a thing, but that is like becoming more and more in the zeitgeist of of draft people is like this is Nikhil Harry again and when I say draft people I don't mean the smart ones yeah I mean the the people that are following along with it and and formulating opinions based on something that they heard online now Camp Dynasty is all about positivity and not being that sort of like you know, if you don't agree with me on this player, you're wrong. Yep. You know, that is that is the antithesis of what Camp Dynasty is about. You can rank your players in any fashion that you want because this is not an exact science whatsoever. Yeah. And that point right there about this not being an exact science is why it drives me crazy when people – come to definitive conclusions about prospects based on something that they heard or something that happened in recent history. Keon Coleman is not Quinton Johnston because he's not a pure separator. Not even close. Yeah. I mean, you do not have to be a pure separator to be a good NFL wide receiver. That has never been the full requisite. It's like, if you're not an elite route runner, you cannot succeed in the NFL. That has never been true. There are guys in the league today that are not elite level separators that are good wide receivers. So this this idea that Coleman is not a good separator and therefore is destined He's predetermined to be the next hideous bust of the draft process. It's just bad juju. It's just bad analysis because it's not based on anything. When you watch the film, you can say, okay, yes, this player has weaknesses. He has to clean up his route running. He is not a polished route runner right now. He does not have elite long speed to win consistently down the field. That does not make him <laughs> a wide receiver that can't win and that can't be successful at the NFL level. So I just I needed to say that because there's just so much out there right now, toxicity about these players when it's like we latch onto these things and then suddenly it's like, man, you're you're an idiot. You think Coleman's good, man. He can't even separate. It's like, well. I, I mean, I, I disagree with you, but I also think that there are more ways to win than just pure separation ability. 
Yeah. I mean, the thing I value most out of in wide receivers is separation. It's route running. It's polish. And I still have Coleman over Troy Franklin. How does that happen? Damn good player. That's how. <laughs> like, I I just feel like he's a guy that has so much upside. And that that's because of a lot of reasons. Like, the catch point stuff, he's unbelievable. Like, he has mitts. And he shows them off a lot. His run after the catch is good. But it's shown even more on his special team stuff because he returned kicks and he had, you know, punt returns go for 60, 70 yards. Like he is a real player with the ball in his hands, a scary player. And he's a fine separator. (laughs) Like we've gotten to the point where it's the pendulum has swung all the way to, he can't separate when he separates like fine on film. It, he is getting enough separation and then when he's not he's still catching the ball because he's so good at contested catches and he's like one of if not the best athlete out of any of these wide receivers like he's a dual sport guy he committed to he played basketball at Michigan State like not very well and not very long but he did i watched it it was you know it was a little underwhelming but I mean, it's just he's a impressive player. He's an impressive athlete. He's a good receiver. I think we need to, like, get that out of the way. And he didn't have a great year. Like, that all can be true at the same time. So he should be a first-round pick. I think, like, if you're going to be worried about him becoming Quentin Johnston, like – then you wouldn't have drafted Sam Laporta last year because you were scared that he was going to be Kyle Pitts. Like that that's kind of where we're at. So let's kind of put those takes away because they're not founded by anything. And let's move forward with good process. Right. And that's, that's the point of what I'm saying is like, we, we can't just be lazy and say X is Y because this just happened yeah Yeah. (laughs) like like i get it quinn johnson just happened there are reasons that it happened yeah you know not all of them might be on the player squarely i mean and and that's something with coleman too to be clear this is a player that can be criticized and there are weaknesses to his game that you know he he's a little bit of a scheme or situationally dependent player. I don't think this is the sort of wide receiver that you bring into your team and you say he's going to play all positions. Solve he's gonna my be problems. To, yeah, yeah, he's, he's going to solve all of our problems. He's going to be the guy, you know. There are players, there are wide receivers in this class that you uh, that I would say that about. And this is not one of them. That's why he's in this tier of guys where it's like there's a lot of potential here. I don't exactly trust you from day one as my number one option, but I think you can develop into that. And I think Coleman is one of those players that shows you enough that you can say, if he gets utilized in the right ways, man, he is, he's got some special, special talent. And I get it. 
you know, the, the contested catch stuff, that's, that's something that's floating around with him right now is, oh, he, he can't, he's six, four, and he can't make contested catches. That that's a real thing that I saw several times today. And I understand, you know, if you're looking purely based on the numbers this year, 10 for 30, okay. 10 for 30 and contested opportunities. So that's not good. What? That's a really bad. Yeah, (laughs) it's not good. It's not where you'd want a player of this size to be at. It's not horrible, but it's not great. But let's look at the 10. Let's look at what he shows you within that group of 10 and say, okay, let's not overreact to the percentages here when a guy is showing you that 30% of the time he's making one of the best plays you've ever seen at the catch point. I mean, that is what we're talking about here. So I get it. If there's, you know, caution or skepticism as you know, can he consistently repeat that ability at the NFL level, but I'm going to choose to bet on a guy that shows you something at an elite level and say, this is a 20 year old player. Okay. He's not done developing. Like, it's not like what you see is what you get in the NFL next year. Like this is a player that has a lot of room to grow. You said it on wide receivers, a lot of meat on the bone this season in terms of production. And I think this is a player that is getting unfairly, you know, cast typed into a certain player that we've seen bust before just based on, you know, somebody saying he can't separate typecast typecast. That's what did I say? Cast typed. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, when we talked about meat on the bone, it's like Coleman was open a lot and something that I liked about how he is, his attitude on the season is like, you see some players, that either are the number one receiver or feel they should be the number one receiver and they're not getting targeted downfield when they're wide open, which Coleman was a few times. And, you know, you throw your throw your hands up in the air, you know, you hang your head, you get pissed off. And you, you don't see that out of Coleman. Like, it seems like he has a good head on his shoulders. He's been improving, it seems to me. And that's going to continue. So I'm just excited to see what a team can do with them. Yeah. Let's choose to be excited about all players and just let the, let the game play out. You know, not everybody's going to hit, but we don't need to decide that right now. Let's, let's hope for the best. Let's see the best in these players and what they can be. So I'd rather be right about, or I'd rather be wrong when I'm thinking somebody's going to be good than be right about somebody being bad. Like, I don't want players to be – I want all the players to be good. Well, yeah, and, <laughs> I mean, not to go on another tangent, but that I think plays a part in it is everybody wants to be right. Yeah. Everybody's so concerned about victory laps and, you know, oh, you like so-and-so, you know, oh, my God, like – it's not an exact science. You bet on what you see and you bet on what can you be. And yep. that's not always going to work. I mean, the NFL, these guys, it's the, hard. The guys that are paid <laughs> the money to make these picks are not always right. It's almost like these are all humans and humans are unpredictable sometimes. It's a so few variables. 
we need we need to get out of victory lap culture and we need to just get back to let's let's be positive let's see the best in these players and hope for the best uh before before we have any reason not to yep all right all of that said that is a a great wide receiver tier yeah i i have very very high grades on all of those players and those were my wide receivers four, five, and six. <laughs> yeah. Those are those are guys that all should be first round picks, and we still yes. haven't gotten to the top tier. Yes. So we got four spots left. And let's start with number four. I'll turn it over to you because I've been doing a lot of talking. <laughs> Who's number four? Number four is Brock Bowers. So we've come you know, all the way full circle with Bowers. Uh, I think he was number two in our rankings at one point, and he's landed at number four in mine. Is he number four or three in yours? He's number four. Okay. So Bowers is a great, unbelievable, maybe all-time tight end prospect. Like, this is a guy that is going to make – quarterbacks and offensive coordinators lives really easy because of what he can do at the end of an offensive line as a blocker uh and then uh, as a player that can operate essentially as a running back with the ball in his hands whether he's getting a handoff or whether he's being relied upon in run after catch situations so bowers i mean you look at the film all year, and I talked a little bit about this with Braylon Allen, where you have that kind of tight end scraping across the backside and how schemes are going single back or going under center, and then play action boots have that tight end coming down the line of scrimmage. Um, I mean, that is the bread and butter for Georgia's offense, is that inside zone, either Bowers is coming to clean up that backside D end that is getting left unblocked so the tackle can go to the second level, or he is chipping or bypassing that guy, getting the ball in the flat wide open, and just, I mean, getting so many yards after catch, 486 yards after catch, that's 8.7 yards after catch per reception. Okay. It's I just, just needed that to sink in for a minute. Eight it's- yards after catch per reception that's almost a first down after the catch per reception he has 1487 yards after the catch during his college career i don't know if sam laporta had that many yards in his entire college career right just to be clear yeah so bowers i mean he can do everything uh, the question is the question. Like, is he going to go into a tight end friendly scheme? Is he going to get utilized? Because that's the only question we can ask with him, in my opinion. I don't think, like, is size a weakness for him? I don't think so. That's the only one that, like, you could flag, in my opinion. Is like, he's a little small for a tight end. But, I mean, these days, is it really? So... Uh, outside of that, I don't have a ton to say about Bowers. I mean, he's a very good prospect, and I hope he lands in the spot where they use him. Yeah, I mean, that's 
I think it's it's easy to, you know, fall back on recent events and say, you know, well, sometimes teams draft tight ends in the top five and don't use them. Like, what's up with that? I don't need to go down that road. The I've coach is fired. Much. Yeah. That's the, that's the, the result of that. Right. So it's like there's – if Brock Bowers is drafted to a team with an offense in place that you feel, you know, you got a good OC – creative guy that's going to make the most out of the player that Bowers is because in reality he's a lot more than a tight end he's an offensive weapon I mean this isn't just we're going to play him in line we're going to have him run the tight end routes and and you know he's going to block and he's going to be really good no he is the sort of dynamic offensive weapon that you can move around he can play out of the slot. He can play in line. He could play out of the backfield. He can get him in on reverses. I mean, he can run with it. Like, you can use him in a variety of ways because he's an ultra athlete. And the yards after the catch numbers that we're talking about here are a product of not only his speed and his agility, but also his strength. He is a nightmare in the open field. He can win in a variety of ways. And really, Georgia just got the ball in his hands, however they could. And it worked for three years. Yep. So at the NFL level, if we are in a situation in which we can feel confident that that will be the result for Bowers, then I don't have any questions about him. I, don't, I, I feel like the size isn't really a big deal because they're going to scheme him in ways that will maximize his very rare skill set at this position. Yeah, I I feel that way 100%. And the question is not like if he's going to get picked top 10, it's where. That's so. what I think. He's getting a little bit of that Bijan treatment right now, where if you're looking at mock drafts, it's a lot of like 15, 16, Remember last year when Bijan was in the 20s right now? I'm just saying these sorts of players don't go far. Yep. Because you can't get these guys every year. Yep. And Bowers is one of them. And you look at the list, I mean, you got teams that could use them. You got, like, the Giants, the Chargers, you know, Atlanta. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Minnesota at 11 is really interesting. You know, the Hawkinson coming off the ACL, just, you know. Makes I mean, I, if Belichick goes to Atlanta, why can't this be Gronk and Hernandez, you know? Right. Run that back. Which one? Rewind which? the clock. Uh, that's a good question. Which one has homicidal tendencies? That's, that's what's the question. <laughs> All right. So Bowers is really freaking good. He is. And he was my number two player at one point in this process, but he is now number four for both of us. And that is because there are three wide receivers atop this class that are phenomenal. Yeah. And it seems to me that Romo Dunze, who I know when we did wide receivers, it was still sort of like a, you know, you were kind of like Coleman and Odunze, you know, yep. they're kind of – it seems like you've made the switch. I have made the switch. So talk to me about Rome. I'm oh. assuming that's your number three player. So he's my number one. 
No, yeah. He's my number three. Yeah. So uh, I've made the switch on Odunze, and that is due to watching, I mean, just more film. It's like I I was a, a little bit, like, wishy-washy between them on the wide receiver episode, and I, like, I didn't feel, like, great either way about wh- which way to do it. Like, I kind of – it was kind of a flip of the coin kind of thing. Uh, but – going back and thinking about like what do i value like get down to brass tacks about this and rome just does everything well and does everything that i like like he is a polished receiver that runs routes well that has like incredible hands can cut win in contested situations run after the catch like the fact that the top three in this class is what it is, teams are going to be falling over themselves in the top ten to draft these guys. So Odunze is just like a more polished version of what Coleman is, and he's like already kind of a a big – he has like a head start on Coleman. And so like that that's – you know, open your eyes a little bit you know, think about what's going on here. And Odunze is just an incredible prospect. Yeah. I think sometimes, I mean, like in, in the, my, in my case, watching Odunze, I'm sitting there and it's like, what doesn't he do? What doesn't he do? And when you can't really come up with an answer to that question, usually it means this is just a really, really good prospect. And that is where I landed with all three of these players at the top. These are three wide receivers in which you can't really point to major weaknesses in their games. These are three players that do that play this position at an extremely high level. And Odunze really embodied development this year. This was a player that could have came into the draft last year. He could have entered his name into the draft last year in a weaker wide receiver group. He could have been one of the top names at that point in time based on his 2022 film. That would have been great. And he said, no, I'm going to come back to school and I'm going to become even better. And that is exactly what he did this year. I mean, this has been a something that we've talked about a lot through the last few months, his growth and his ability, his, his, you know, what he did to cover up some of the weaknesses that he had coming into this year. And it starts with the physicality. It starts with his ability at the catch point because we saw the frame, we saw the athlete, we saw his ability to separate, his ability to run routes. It's like, man, if you were 6'3", 215, and you could be a jump ball guy, man, we'd be cooking. And that's exa- and and not only did he get better at it, he became an elite level contested catch, you know, catch point sort of a player this year. So he's getting better. He showed you that in a concrete way in 2023. And there's not really anything that I point to at this point in time that I say, man, this is really going to limit him at the NFL level. I think this is one of those players that I referred to earlier that's that can come in and be a wide receiver one almost immediately and be, and be a difference maker for whatever team drafts him. 
Yep. I in twenty twenty two or the twenty twenty three draft class, I was talking about Odunze and I was like, This is, you know, my wide receiver two behind JSN. I like he looks like souped up Jahan Dotson. Like we are all in and I love Jahan Dotson, so that's a big compliment. And then, you know, he goes back and I'm like, Well, you know, put him in my wide receiver two for the 2024 draft. And then, you know, you go through a full season, it ebbs and it flows and ends up at wide receiver three. And man, he like, I, I can't overstate the fact that like, this is such a good player that you'll be getting at three. If you're sitting at three, like, and if you're in super flex and you have like a mid first and you're going to end up with a Romo Dunze, unbelievable. So, I mean, he's going to command a ton of attention in a wide receiver room. Uh, he's going to end up going somewhere that's not bad. Like, there, if he's going top 10, like he's been mocked in a lot of these drafts and he ends up in like Chicago, Tennessee, and he's in Chicago, he'd be the, the number two effectively with DJ Moore, which would be great as long as they can, I mean, Caleb and Hotunze, that'd be great. You look at Tennessee and he'd walk in, be the wide receiver one. That's a little bit more of a question mark because you assume DeAndre Hopkins leaves and then you get Will Levis and whatever goes on there with their new coaching system. That would be my least favorite you know, landing spot. But then you also got the Giants and the Chargers, which would also be great. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions yet with landing spot and all that, but I think those are the only questions I have. So let me put this, because we're getting closer now. Yeah. And these conversations are going to start happening more and more. The Chargers feel like a really ripe spot for yeah. one of these guys because of Herbert and needing that next guy, because we don't think that's Quinton. And honestly, Quinton might just benefit from being a more role-specific sort of player in that offense. If one of Neighbors or Odunze goes to the Chargers, would that automatically make that player your number two in this class? Wow. I mean... I guess it depends where the other one goes. Like, yeah. but if they, because Keenan's Let, not Let's getting, say, let's just say this for, yeah. for argument's sake. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say one of them goes to the Giants, one of them goes to the Chargers. Are right. they close enough for you that the landing spot's going to flip it? Oh, man. Um, no. There, it's, I still, I, I'm going to keep neighbors at two in that situation i mean I, almost any situation the the one spot that feels rotten is tennessee for me and that that would be enough to flip it i feel like the giants there's something there chargers chargers are the best spot in the top 10 for a wide receiver maybe arizona i think arizona is actually the best spot um but i feel like that's also a conversation we can talk about later yeah all right, so that's a little bit of a teaser to the conversations we will be having in a few months' time, but we're still pretty far away from that. Number two, 
Malik Neighbors. Yep. I mean, I I have these players pretty close, Neighbors and Odunze, in terms of overall ranking. But I think I agree with you. It, it would take something very dramatic for me to not take neighbors at number two in this, in this class, because I just think neighbors has and and Odunze. I mean, you could say a lot of this about him as well, but I think neighbors nuance and athleticism as a route runner is just so different and elite that I have almost no questions that he will come in and be a star level receiver like yes, sooner sir. rather than later. Yeah. <laughs> like like this is the sort of player that I think develops into by year two, we're starting to have that conversation about what is he in Dynasty? What what number is he? Because I think his game is very high floor and i think the ceiling is wide receiver one i like that i because i agree (laughs) i I mean (laughs) i can't tell you like how close marvin and neighbors are for me they are like it's marvin at one and it always has been but the more you watch Malik Neighbors, the better it gets. Like, the you just – it's like a, a great movie. Like, you watch it, and the more you rewatch it, the more little things pop out, and it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed that the first time. And, like, you can just, you know, watch it 100 times, and never it never gets old. So, I mean, I – the speed – is unreal the the route running i mean i've i've heard people talk about malik neighbors as just like this athletic freak that you know makes it happen can do things after the catch whatever and like they fail to mention the thing that i think he's best at and like the route running is just riddled with veteran nuance like the things he does with his hips with his head with his hands like the releases are all high 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 level and then like you get the corner to take one wrong step and it's over and then you can like he can play all three wide receiver positions like this is going to be a guy that changes the trajectory of an offense and so I hope he gets paired with a good quarterback, but kind of what I was saying, I don't know if it matters a ton if he's on the Giants because the Giants desperately need somebody that can do what Neighbors does, needs a guy that can separate. Like their leading receiver this year is Darius Slayton. Like they need Malik Neighbors. They need a Malik Neighbors kind of guy. So – regardless of where he ends up, like I said that Tennessee might be the, the like rotten landing spot. I'd still love neighbors there. And that's kind of the, the test is like, you look at all these teams and you're like, 
would going here make me feel worse about him? And I don't think there's a single team where you can look at it. You could say, well, if neighbors ended up there, it wouldn't be great. Like he would end up as the number one wide receiver on all but like seven teams. So that's how I feel about neighbors. Yeah, I think, and it's a, a lot of what you said. I think the conversation about Marvin, which is one that we're going to have in a second ourselves, but I think a lot of the conversation there is, you know, veteran like nuance as a route runner, you know, son of a Hall of Famer. He grew up around it, he understands the position already, he's doing it at a high level in college walks into any team makes a difference i mean people are saying draft him at three over a quarterback that's how much of an impact he can make on a team i i I think a lot of that can be said about neighbors i i I really do like i don't and and like you said and like i said a few weeks ago marvin is number one and there's not really i don't really have any like hesitation about that but I also think that there is still this idea that because Marvin is who Marvin is, the next guy is just like a really good player. And I think in a normal circumstance, we're having this sort of conversation about neighbors instead of Marvin, if, if that player doesn't exist. So... When you have two guys like that at the top of a class, it makes for a very interesting situation because one of them is always going to be number two. So Neighbors has that working against him on the narrative side, but I agree with you in terms of what are we getting at the NFL level. I think this is that sort of player, that he's going to come into a room and he will just be the guy who will make – like. He's not going to get to nine. At least I don't think he will. That's where Tennessee is, right? Uh, Tennessee's seven. Seven. Yeah. I don't think he's getting a seven. But if he did, I'd be like, man, I, yeah. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins just had a thousand yard season in, right. in Tennessee this year. And it's like, I understand this is a, you know, one of the best wide receivers of our generation. But when we talk about neighbors in this way, that's what we're expecting him to become. So I think we saw Hopkins make Levis's life a little bit easier. I think neighbors can come in and do that for Levis, for Daniel Jones, for any of these guys in the top ten. And if he goes to San, if he goes to uh, the Chargers, let's just call them San Diego. R.I.P. Never forget. <laughs> if he goes there, man, it, it's going to get crazy. The hype is going to get insane. Yeah, I mean. Is he dynasty wide receiver nine already? He might be. He I'm, might be. I'm looking at the list right now, and I'm like, hey, I'd take him over Chris Olave. <laughs> like, I think I, I called Marvin wide receiver eight conservatively before this season. Well, he's he's at least six, so. Yeah. Marvin. Yeah. But anyway, let's talk we'll, about We'll Marvin. have those conversations. That? We got We got a lot of – a lot of conversations to have over the next few months. But, yes, let's talk about the man himself. Let's do it. Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, it, it's, it says something that the conversation that we just had in which I'm trying to reinforce Malik Neighbors as this, you know, team-altering 
you know, elite level NFL wide receiver talent at 20 years old, it says something that this player is ahead of him. So, so what does that say about what kind of player Marvin projects to be? I mean, I, I don't say this lightly. I mean this like with all the gravity that it's supposed to have. He's a flawless player. <laughs> like I cannot name something that he will not be able to do at the next level. Like literally name something that a wide receiver should be good at. And Marvin is good at that. So I, that's why he is who he is. That's why he's being talked about this way. That's why he has been the one one That's why he's been the number one wide receiver. That's why he's above Malik neighbors, even though we just talked about how good Malik neighbors is for the last, however many minutes, like Marvin can just like be the best route runner on a team. He can be the best contested catch guy on the team. He can run after the catch as well as almost anybody. Like he can make a bad quarterback look pretty good. And then he can make a good quarterback look incredible. So there's just like, I I know that Marvin has been talked about ad nauseum through this entire draft process, the entire season, but I don't want that to take away from who he is as a player because I, I kind of mentioned it with Braylon Allen. It's like this name has been around a while and you know, you kind of get tired of it. But the, the fact that we have a player like this in the draft where he, I mean, it's right there with the like Jamar chase type of idea where we're, we're taking them top five and, you feel great about it as a franchise and it will be looked at back on like, yeah, you guys did the right thing. Like that's not always the case because you look at top five picks and it's like, if it's not a great quarterback or a great edge rusher or a great tackle, whatever, you know, you can look back and scrutinize, but like he goes to new England, Arizona at three or four. I mean, he's going to change their offense for the better day one. So, I mean, I don't have a ton else to say. You said, you said pretty big words there. Yeah. And I, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. I mean, the thing with Marvin that I find like crazy is that I think he's also one of the fastest right. wide receivers, like at the top of this list. Like, you know, you know, he's this route running savant. You see him. I mean, and, and this is not something that you say about most wide receivers at this point in time, but he is genuinely a wide receiver that I think you see running pretty much every single route on film. Like there wasn't a route in which he wasn't running at Ohio State and doing so at a very high level. So he's got this full route tree, a developed route tree with nuance and ability to separate at all levels of the field. We know what he's like in terms of the 
contested situations and and not only that but just ball tracking situations in general up against the sideline down the field twisting his body back to the ball like getting his feet down I mean that whole package of catch point skills beyond just I got mitts and I'm not going to drop it he's got the whole bag he's also incredibly fast like he's going to run a ridiculous time at this size so it feels a little reminiscent to me, the, and this goes with what you just said, of when the Falcons traded the farm to get up from the 20s, I believe, to take Julio Jones in the top six. And it was like, man, that's crazy. You don't see that every day for a wide receiver. Multiple first-round picks. Well, you, you see what happened. And I think that's the sort of thing, you know, with Marvin, where whoever gets this player in that range of the draft is getting a player like that, that can be a cornerstone, a pillar for a new era. And if that's Arizona, man, that is a very cool situation for Cardinals fans and for, I mean, NFL fans in general. Yeah. To watch Kyler and Marvin that connection and and maybe this team you know go get, gets a lot better a lot quicker than you thought they would a couple of years ago yeah that that's the the hope is that you know new england either takes a quarterback or trades down because like he goes new england and it's it's fine but it's not fun it's not as fun like thinking about him catching passes from who some veteran free agent, Bailey Zappi, like Mac Jones, who knows? So, uh, that, that is the one where it's like, he'll be fine and he should still be the, the number one pick in dynasty drafts. And, you know, but there, there's less, you know, intrigue and less fun and less projection that you're like, yeah, no, this is going to be electric. If he goes to Arizona or somebody trades up into that number three pick, that's a, when you can start to think like, all right, here we go. You know, this this Arizona team is going to be a blast to watch next year just because, like, not only the Kyler to Marvin, but also all the guys that get bumped down because of Marvin and have more opportunities like Michael Wilson, Trey McBride, and Rondale, and Dorch, and whatever. Like, they all become – they have less pressure on them to be, you know, the number one wide receiver, like Michael Wilson, like he'd be a great number two and Marvin would allow that. And he'd be actually like the number three because McBride would be the number two. He's broken out. Like that, that that's the type of conversations you get to have because like you draft your number one wide receiver, the number one wide receiver, like the guy. So, and like, I think he's a better prospect than chase was. And like, that's, he's so good. So like here we are. Yep. It's absolutely crazy. So that that's it, man. That's it. That's 12. I mean what it's it's no surprise because and I think we being in the weeds and being so intimately familiar with this group for months and months and months like I think if you're coming in right now and you're saying, you know, like, what's this class got to offer? Like, I know Marvin, I know some of these other guys, but like, what else is going on here? 
I think this is one of the sorts of classes where I sort of stop and then take a couple steps back and I say, man, this is, this is a special group. This is a special group. Like it does not have the running back talent, but it has wide receivers four days, including these franchise altering elite level prospects at the top, as well as its depth. And also these quarterbacks, <laughs> we have these two amazing, you know, might even throw the G word out for one of them. Like you got these guys and you got some other interesting names beyond those two. And then you got this difference making, you know, once in a few years, I guess at this point in time, but usually not sort of tight end prospect as well. So as long as running back is not your top priority right now, like it's every other position group is really like special, the top end. And in some cases, even more than that. So this is a really, really good group. Uh, This 2024 class is going to be one that I think we're going to look back on and say, man, this, this changed a lot. I I'm happy that we're here for this. That's kind of how I feel. Like you, you mentioned you take a step back and you look big picture and it's, you know, this 2024 class is something when it comes to the the wide receivers and the quarterbacks. So, um, I mean, now we transition into, you know, looking at all of the, the the senior bowl and then the combine and then all of the stuff leading up to the like the true draft season uh post nfl season like we're getting late into the playoffs obviously divisional round just finished up we're getting into the championship game so we're going like this is the beginning of real real draft season you know all but four draft positions are set so we're in the weeds now yeah fully I mean, Senior Bowl, that's coming up next week. That's where we're headed next week in terms of what we're talking about next week, which is crazy. We're talking Senior Bowl for the next couple weeks and then getting into team fits and, you know, comps and NFL draft stuff. I mean, that is the road from here. So it's it's very exciting. It's it's exciting that we're, you know, getting a little bit more like real draft season. We got the Jeremiah mocks coming out. We got the Brugler mocks coming out. I mean, this is this is what it's all about right now. And let's let's enjoy this one. That's part of, you know, why I get on a soapbox. It's like let's stop making the draft into a, you know, I'm right or, you know, I I want to be the first one to say this. Like Let's just enjoy this because it's a really, really special time and a really special group of players. Um, I can't believe we got a year of C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. Of like, it, it's it's insane. Yeah, thinking back now. Yeah, like, like looking at what C.J. Stroud did, and then like, man, yeah, what a player. Ugh. I mean, I Ravens. That's a good team, but the Texans are going to be back. Yeah. So, um. Before we leave, it's been a long one, but it's a, it's a fun one here. It's rankings. 12 names apiece. A lot more than 12 names to care about in this class. So this doesn't have to be 13, 14. Who are a few names that didn't make your list that you want to shout out right now? Uh, so we've got... 
some running backs that, you know, they I feel like we should talk about because, you know, they they're not getting a lot of love in this class, but we're still you know, Blake Corum is still around. That's that's a name that we're interested in. Bucky Irving is another one. You know, this, these are going to be guys in the second round that you can probably get. Uh, and then, I mean, we mentioned Xavier Worthy is a wide receiver that I like. Um, those are, are the ones that kind of just missed for me. Is Worthy your next wide receiver? Uh, that didn't make the cut. Ad Mitchell is. Oh, hey. Yep. Um. So, my number thirteen player actually, but so no, no surprise. He's the one I want to shout out. But Jalen Polk, yes. is really good. Like, it it became a thing during the year seeing the production and and what Washington was doing. Obviously, a team that we were following pretty closely, and then it was like, man. This Polk guy, he's pretty good. And I dove into the film recently and, like, wow, he's really good. So that's my next wide receiver out in terms of this group, the guys that we talked about today. So I like him a lot in this class. Um, and then speaking of running backs, Audric Estime is still yeah. a player that, despite his faults, is just so much fun to watch in a running back class that isn't always very fun. I think he's one where he shows you an ability to be a playmaker and a creator at a size in which that is not a typical trait for a player. So I think that's going to be situational dependent, you know, where does a player like estimate end up, but he's still my RB three as of right now. And a player that I, I really like a lot. And then uh, one name that I do want to just kind of give a shout out to because it's a player that I wasn't expecting to like as much as I did. Xavier Leggett. I was gonna, I was gonna say, can I guess? Because I, I felt like this is leading up to Xavier Leggett. Yeah, like you expect a player that doesn't do anything for four years and then suddenly has this amazing year. To just be like, oh yeah, he's just like a bricked up like ath. What is that? <laughs> Rock solid. Uh, all right, sure. Well, that's maybe what I was feeling when I was watching Legat. <laughs> right. you know, okay. Freudian. Jeez. No, Legat <laughs> is Muscular. way more polished uh, than I would have expected. Which is it? It makes it almost shocking that he didn't do anything for four years like i don't know what happened because he's he's a pretty good route runner like he's a very sudden route runner at especially for a player that's 220 pushing over 225 six three catch point skills i mean he's not perfect but a player that in this deep class a guy that ends up as like wide receiver 10 for me or something right now and i'm like jesus this guy's really good yeah uh another name that i like that is he's just a good football player and that's kind of what you end up looking for kind of late 
in these drafts is uh, Malik Washington. Oh, yeah. See, I haven't watched any Washington because there is this is one of the guys that I there's no all twenty two on him, and I'm trying to just kind of wait. He's going to be Shrine Bowl next week. I want to see what he looks like there, but man, based on what I saw from the season watching Virginia, I think. I think he's going to be one of my guys. Yep. Now this is a like a slot player, uh, small. He's five eight, one ninety five, like yep. compact, pure slot. There's not many of those in this class. Like we talked about the size that these guys have. Washington is a little bit of an outlier that way in in the class and uh, hyper productive. He's, I mean, just like I said, a good football player. And that that is, you know, the guys that end up popping late in drafts tend to be guys that are just like well rounded, and this could be one of those. Gives a little bit of uh, Josh Down vibes, a little bit. Just saying. So, all right, we could sit here all day and run through them because just say names. Yeah, for, just keep saying two names. More hours. Yeah, like sitting around with the dudes <laughs> naming obscure wide receivers all day. Yep. Like that's what we do, but with 2024 draft prospects. <laughs> but we won't do that. Uh, we'll, we're we're going to get out of here next Bub, week. Bub memes? Yep. Remember him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're talking about the Senior Bowl next week because that is coming up in not next weekend, but the following weekend. So we're going to have names to know coming into the week, and then we will recap it the next week. But – uh, that is really the point in time where you say to yourself, we're in we're in full draft season now. We got the All-Star game, Shrine Bowl, like I said. We might give a little bit of a shout there because there are some players on that roster that I'm like, man, Malik Washington and some other guys, Dallin Holker, Shrine Bowl guy. So some names to watch there as well. So we'll talk about that next week. But if you enjoyed hearing uh, our 2024 dynasty rookie rankings or would like to share some of your thoughts or your own rankings be sure to find us on x formerly known as twitter at camp underscore dynasty and tiktok at camp dot dynasty and let us know what you think there or check out the youtube channel where video feeds of the pods do go up every single week and if you enjoyed this week's episode be sure to like rate review subscribe follow and share the pod feed yeah. we very much appreciate that well you can make it a folder on your desktop <laughs> you should do that just put it on your floppy disk <laughs> you don't have a desktop no like i'm i'm in the cloud now well i'm washed <laughs> all right thanks for stopping by camp dynasty this week we'll see you next week <laughs>